Welcome to Roman's Road, the podcast of me, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. All right, on today's podcast, we're going to be listening to a sermon I gave. Actually, I'm not going to listen to it again, but you can listen to a sermon I recently gave down at Carlton Oaks Baptist Church down in Lakeside, California. I spoke about my BMX past, talked about the recent tragedy in my family with my son and his automobile accident, and a lot of very personal stuff. You know, I'm more of a street preacher and a one-to-one evangelist. I don't speak behind pulpits too often, but when I do, here's what it sounds like. My name is Eddie Rome, and I live right up in uh, Murrieta. And I actually haven't been to this area for so long, but I used to be here quite often about maybe 30 years ago. I was a BMX bike rider, and this is one of the main places we used to go off dirt jumps and stuff like that. And so just a lot of good memories um, coming back into, into uh, the area here. I like to watch um, the news. I'm, I'm kind of a news junkie. And every year, you'll notice that the news stations, the, the internet you know, channels, they like to show us all the, all the people, all the famous people, all the actors, all the politicians who passed away that year, all the people who've, who've, who've died. And the past few years have, has been uh, particularly noteworthy. We've lost Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer of all time. We've lost Arnold Palmer, greatest um, golfer of all time, and also the first guy to put lemonade and iced tea in the same drink. John Glenn, one of the the first American astronaut to circle the Earth. Fidel Castro, famous bad guy, you know, he, he he went on. In the world of music, we've lost Prince. For you 80s fans, we lost George Michael, um, David Bowie, Merle Haggard, you know. In Hollywood, Florence Henderson, the, the Brady Bunch mom. Remember her? Gene Wilder, also known as, as Willy Wonka. And if you're like me and you used to subscribe to comic books as a kid, and if you've seen any Avengers movie in the last 10 years, um, Stan Lee, he recently passed on. Now, for Star Wars fans, it's been particularly uh, you know hard. We've lost... Carrie Fisher, also known as Princess Leah, um, Kenny Baker, R2-D2, and just recently, Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca. Chewbacca. I remember as a little kid, being eight years old, and I had my little blue jacket on, and I'm in line, this huge line down in Mission Valley. Remember back when theaters had one big screen? Remember those days? And I remember being in this line, and, and, and getting into the theater and seeing the very first Star Wars film as a kid. And I remember looking up at the screen, and there's Chewbacca in all his glory. And then it says, if I blinked, and now I'm looking at my iPhone screen, and I'm looking at the news, and Chewbacca's dead. Just like that. And you know, the the death of our childhood heroes are just a constant reminder of how quickly this life is rushing by. Open your Bibles to Psalm 90. We're going to be looking at Psalm 90 today. And Psalm 90 talks about the brevity of life. Now, the author of Psalm 90 is Moses. And this is actually the very first psalm 
that was ever written. The Psalms are not arranged in chronological order. They're arranged differently. And this is the first Psalm. And Moses is writing this Psalm in the midst of his wilderness wandering. So he has no home. He has no constant, you know, permanent location. He's basically living in a tent. And they're moving this tent and they're kind of all over the place. And in the midst of this time of wandering, in Psalm 90, verse 1, and I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing here. Please follow along. Psalm 90, verse 1, Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You have swept them away like a flood, they fall asleep. In the morning they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Towards evening it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence." For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone, and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, And confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much for today, for this day you've given us. Lord, only you know the number of days we have. And so we're thankful that you've given us one more. Father, we ask that you would help us to see ourselves within this psalm, that we would understand our place before you, And we would understand the urgency of today. We love you, Lord. We just give you this time. And we ask that you would guide us through your word. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Four things we're going to be looking at today as we journey through this passage. got four points in your outline there. Number one, we're going to be looking at the fact that God is eternal. Two, we're going to look at how temporary life is. Then we're going to take a look at the value of time. And lastly, we're going to look at the source of our satisfaction. The source of our satisfaction. You know, looking at life from God's perspective is going to help us to spend our time wisely. Let's look at verse number one. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting You are God. So Moses, here he is, living in a tent, doesn't have an address, just kind of wandering around. And yet, if you were to ask Moses, 
Where do you dwell? Where is your home? Moses' answer would have been, the Lord is my dwelling place. As a child of God, as a follower of God, wherever he is, that is my home. And that's an important thing to remember. God is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. And that's, that's, that's the overriding theme of this whole psalm. He has no beginning, no end. This is a basic foundational attribute of God. So when the skeptic, when the atheist asks you, well, if God created everything, who created God? Well, the answer is nobody. That's a dumb question. It's like saying, who created the one who has no creator? It makes no sense. God is eternal. He's everlasting. Isaiah 40, 28 asks the question, do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting Lord, the God, creator of heavens, the ends of the earth? He does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Now, the word inscrutable means impossible to understand or interpret. And part of the reason God and his knowledge and his glory is is impossible for us to totally understand and totally interpret is because he's eternal. He's seen it all. He has seen every person in every situation throughout all history. He has known every thought, every motive of every person. He knows the future of every person, past and present. He knows so much more than all of us could ever possibly know. His understanding is, is, is way beyond ours. He's been around forever, before all things. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things. He was there before all things. You know, when we think about this, just in a practical sense, this should do two things within us. It should give us humility, and it should give us patience. Okay? Look at Psalm 90, verse 3, thinking about humility here. You turn man back into dust and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. This should humble us. You know, basically, from God's point of view, we come from the dust, we go back to the dust, and it's over. Just like that. You know, you think of that. We, we think of our own plans, you know. Maybe you have plans for your career, your school, your family, things like that. All these things are important from our perspective, but from the eternal perspective, they go, they're so quick. It's so quick. God's agenda should be our agenda because we're not, we're not that big of a deal. We're really not that big of a deal when we look at eternal eternity. Think of the most influential people throughout all human history. Whether they're good or bad, whether you like them or not, you think of guys like Charles Darwin, Louis Pasteur, you know, George Washington, all these different people. And we study the history about them. We, we, we love to think about these, these heroes of our past or even these enemies of our past. And yet, from God's perspective, you know, you know what he saw their life as? He, he saw it like this, like it was over. It's so quick. And we get so caught up in... in the villains of our time and the people of our time and politics and all these things. And, and there's a place for all, all this. But at the same time, from an eternal perspective, these, these, these aren't things, these aren't people that we should, we should allow to rob us of our, our joy. These things should humble us. 
The sum total of their lives and of all human history are summed up in Psalm 90, verse 5. You have swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning, they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath, we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. From our perspective, we look back and we glory at humankind and all the accomplishments. And yet, from God's perspective, I don't know. I don't see God as being impressed. I mean, all these famous scientists and people, they they discovered the mysteries of life. But none of these things were mysteries to God. They discovered all these amazing things that God created so yes, it's, 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 you know, humankind is, is amazing, and yet looking at it from God's perspective, I don't, I don't know if he's, he's too impressed. You think of God, he is the most intelligent being in all of, all of creation, and what are the things he values? We look at people and we think, oh, look, at this guy's got so much money, this person is so smart, this person used to ride BMX bikes, whatever it is, it impresses you. We look at all these things, and none of those things impress God. Okay? He's impressed by simple things like humility, simple things like righteousness. Right? And that's a problem for us because we're not righteous. We don't have righteousness. And if you're listening here today and you're, and you're not, not a Christian, that's our main problem. We don't have the righteousness required to enter into his presence. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Think about it. All this time is passing by. Human history is rushing by. And the one time where God decides to step into time, decides to take on the form of a man and step into time himself, the one reason he did that, the main reason, was what? It was to save his people from their sins. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. That's why he came, to redeem mankind. Matthew one twenty one, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Throughout all history, man kind has had a problem. We live at enmity with God, and yet God did something about it. Jesus Christ did something about it. So this should, these, should, these things humble us, just realizing that God is eternal. These things can also give us patience. So easy to be impatient. And as we watch the news more and we see the ways, this, the subtle ways this country is kind of changing, you know, it's very different now than it was 50 years ago. It can get us mad. You know, we can get all caught up in politics and all these different things, just trying to, to make the country how it used to be, the good old days, back when everybody was good and no one was bad, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, seriously, you look at the news and it's, it's insane, this whole partial birth abortion thing. Children literally being murdered as they are being delivered. Who would have ever thought we would come to that as a society? And then you got... 
the media and, and the government even celebration of homosexuality. It's like so normal now. This is, this is gay pride month, supposedly. Think about that. Fathers, you get one day for Father's Day. Mothers, you get one day Mother's Day. But if you are participating in the sin of homosexuality, you get a whole month with parades and media coverage and, and all the rest. You know, I was going into a store the other day to buy some shoes. And I was going into my normal shoe store. And I'm about to walk in the door, and I look up, and there's this huge rainbow. And I think, they're celebrating Noah's Ark when God promised to never flood the earth again. But then, no, I look again, and it says, gay pride. And over here, it says, love is love. And, over, and, and like, there's a banner on this side of the door. There's one on this, the whole thing. And it's like, I got to walk through this thing. And I got to be honest with you, it was just a big turnoff. You know, and so I went to another store and went, went in there and bought my shoes and probably saved some money, too, because I didn't have to buy all these posters with my... But, I mean, it's, it's just everywhere. It's so much, so much a part of life now. Just, um, you know, and, and then just when you think it can't possibly get any worse, Teen Vogue, it's this magazine for kids, you know, teenagers, girls, makeup and stuff like that, and I wouldn't even be talking about this in, in church, but it's, it's normal now. Teen Vogue just did an article for teenage girls explaining why prostitution is a good, viable career to get into. Teen Vogue. Crazy. And like I said, this, this, this is horrible, but I mean, as parents, we gotta, we gotta know about this junk. Sadly, you know, if we're not teaching our kids, warning them about this stuff... So some, someone else is going to teach them about it in, in a way we really don't want them to. You know, Ruth Graham, wife of Billy Graham, Ruth Graham once said, if God doesn't judge America, he's, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thought, but seriously, it's, it's, it, just, it, just, it just constantly seems like it's getting worse and worse. So you ask... Why doesn't God judge America? Why doesn't God judge all the criminals and all the legislators letting all this stuff happen? Why why doesn't God just judge all the bad people? Well, there's a pretty good answer in 2 Peter 3, verse 8. It says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The reason God hasn't judged all the bad people, including me and including you, is because he's patient and because he's eternal. It's not like a lot of time is passing. He's like, oh my goodness, what am I... You know, a thousand years is like a day with him. He's not in a big hurry. He's got his plan, and everything is going according to to his will. He's patient. Seeing things from an eternal perspective can help us not only, you know, being patient with the, the, the junk we see around us, but it can also help us with 
whatever we have going on in our life. You know, you know, bad things, bad people isn't the only things that causes us to be impatient. We have hard circumstances that happen in our life. You know, not necessarily because of an evil reason. You know, I've lived a very charmed life. I was raised in a, you know, great household. My parents were great. They, they taught me morals. Um, when I was 16 years old, I got really into BMX biking. I became a pro BMX rider. I was sponsored. I got to go all over the world doing tricks on bikes. And, you know, I was on TV. I was in the magazine. And, and, I, and I was like a little, little celebrity kid to all these little BMX kids all, all over the place. And then after that, I got into a career, a career of video production, first through like BMX action sports stuff. And then I eventually was working on TV programs, MTV and Fox Sports Network and things like that. And so everything was great. And then I became a Christian and things got even better. I had joy. I had the promise of eternal life. I had peace with God. And then I found my wife and I married her and we had four sons. And my life was just a big, happy story. Until last November, when my 21-year-old son hydroplaned off the road in a fierce storm, and he went to a ravine and came very close to death. He spent six weeks between the critical care unit and rehab, and now he lives at home with us. He has brain damage. He is blind in one eye. And his life is totally different. He was actually very close to entering the career of his dreams. And now all that's gone because of this tragedy that happened. And without getting into this story too much, because I will absolutely lose it, and a preacher's not supposed to do that. I can just say that through all the pain, through all the tears and the fear and the uncertainty, the uncertainty that my family has faced, the one thing that has helped us all get through it is the fact that we know that eternity awaits and that God is eternal and that no matter how hard it's going to get here, it's going to be over. Just like that. And for the hope of the child of God, there is hope. We have hope, right? We all have hope. And, and I'm the one standing up here telling my story now. I'm sure if we were to go on around this room, everyone have some, have you know, bad things happen. You know, there's a teaching out there in Christianity that basically says, if you follow God, if you're faithful to God, your life's going to be good all the time. Right? If you, if you pray and, and say the magic words or whatever, you're going to get blessed, you're going to be rich, you're going to be happy. And it's, a, it's, a, it's like as if people use Christianity as a, as a reason or a, a path to happiness. And that's a lie. It's, it, that's not from the Bible. Okay? That's called twisting scripture and, and basically giving people things they want to hear. The fact of the matter is, Life is hard, whether it's external factors or whether it's the fact that we just live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. We're not guaranteed a happy life. It's okay for a Christian to be sad. It's okay for a Christian 
you know, to, 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 to be poor. These things aren't sin, right? Our relationship with God is what matters, and, and no one promises us, God definitely doesn't promise us roses and happiness our, our whole life, okay? But again, looking at God, looking at eternity, and not setting everything we have in this life, such a great key to just just being content with the life God has given us, knowing it's, it's going to be over. Just, just, just like that. Time flies by so quick. Whatever you're enduring, whatever it is you're enduring, please understand this. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comp- comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. These things are eternal. Looking at life from God's perspective will give us help when the hard times come. Point number two, life is temporary. Life is temporary. Psalm 90 verse 10. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone, and we fly away. (sighs) Last uh, November, the tragedy happened, and the months after that, my life was a blur of hospital visits and rehab visits and dealing with insurance and all. This is actually the first time I've driven down to San Diego where I wasn't coming to a hospital appointment or some other thing. So I like today very much. Um, My parents, they raised me in, in San Diego, East San Diego. And I grew up in I, they, they bought a house. I grew up in that house. That house is still there. They lived their entire lives in that house. Very different from me. I've moved all over the place, but that, my parents' house is still there. But it's for sale now because about two months ago, my mom died, and then three weeks after, my dad died. Just like that. And Going through my parents' house and, and cleaning it out and dealing with it. If you've ever done that, that's, you know, there's all kinds of emotions that are happening. It's, it's, it's so hard as you pick up maybe a shirt that you remember your dad wearing when you were a little kid. And it's like, do I keep this? I'm never going to wear it. Do I give it to Goodwill? I don't want anyone else to wear it. You know, and it's, it's just all this stuff going on. And he, he kept so much Stuff. He kept little notes when I was a kid, and, and, and he kept this one thing that was basically, um, it was an envelope that I had made out of paper, like lined paper, and, and it was like held together, sewed with uh, dental floss, you know, and it was my tooth inside it. From when I was six years old, he still had my tooth. And the reason he kept it is because I had written a little note on it, to the tooth fairy, and it says, fairy, you owe me more money. This one has a filling, all right? Even even as a little six-year-old, I wasn't going to let anyone rip me off, all right? Life goes by so quick, 
James 4.14, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Our life's like a vapor. Have you ever, have you ever, I got an assignment for you. Next time you go to Starbucks, or next time you get your Folgers, whichever you prefer, I want you to get your coffee there when it's hot and get your stopwatch out, and you're going to time a vapor. When a vapor goes, you can time it and see how long it lasts, okay? From God's perspective, that's your life. That's how quick it is. It goes by so quick. So I told you about my, my uh, BMX days. So there was a time when I was on magazine covers and stuff like that. So out there in this world, there are 50, 40 and 50 years olds who know who I am, and it's kind of a funny thing on Facebook, and, and people will ask me, oh, do you still ride, this and that, and, and once in a while, I will dust off the old BMX bike, and with my boys, I'll take it out and go to a skate park or go to some dirt jumps and stuff like that, and, and, it, and it's fun. I'm definitely not trying to win the X Games anymore, but I'll mess around and, you know, just get, have a little fun with my boys. And so we were at a skate park a while ago, and there was this group of, of 40 and 50-year-old guys, you know, they have long hair. You know, when you see a, guy, a, a man on a BMX bike, it doesn't necessarily mean he's a burglar, you know, <laughs> Try, trying to get in and out of a neighborhood without making noise. You know, he's, he's, he's just a guy having fun. And so um, there's this group of older guys on their BMX bikes, and then there's some kids with them. And, and they're all stand, sitting there, and they're talking, and I'm, I'm rolling around. And I notice these guys are all talking, and they're all looking at me, you know? And the old guys are saying something to the little guys and stuff, and, and I'm just thinking, huh. And then one of the little guys rolls over to me, and he says, hey, didn't you used to be Eddie Roman? <laughs> and I say, yeah, I guess I did used to be him. It's pretty funny, but... Uh, you know, our, our life goes by so quick, and, and it's important for us to remember, you know, whatever glory we have, it's, 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 it's going to go. You think about this. What's your favorite sport? You know, let's say it's football. Who was the, the best football player 75 years ago? Does anybody know? I don't know. Question number two, who cares, right? Who cares? I mean, I mean our, our, our glory just goes, goes by so quick. You know, movie stars, you know, athletes, they're not the only ones who die. 150,000 people die every single day. That's the average. 150,000 people. And, and most of them, they're not planning on it. They don't know they're about to die, you know? And, and all ages as well. You think, well, I'm young. Well, if we were to go to a cemetery around here, you think we'd find anyone that died at the same age as you? You think we die any, find any 18-year-olds? or Yeah. You know, we're, no one is guaranteed another day. And so in light of this, and especially since this is a church setting, I think two very important questions that come into mind are simply, do you know what's going to happen on the day you die? Do you know you're going to heaven? Do you know that? And then secondly, if you know you're going to heaven... What are you doing to help other people to get there? You know, very simple question. Is your soul right with God? And if so, are you a soul winner? So important. Time is just ripping by. You know, evangelism is one of those things that 
puts fear into the heart of Christians. And I know, because I've experienced that fear. We have the fear of rejection, fear of not knowing what to say, fear of possible persecution. And it's just something that we, we don't like. You know, I've lost friends because I talk about Jesus. And it's a lot easier just to keep your mouth shut, just to, just to not say anything, just to be known as that Christian who's cool because they never talk about the Bible, so we like them, you know? And it's way easier to do that, but as servants of Jesus Christ, that's not really an option. It's not an option. We're told to go and make disciples of all the nations in Matthew 28. And you know, the thing about making a disciple, you can't make a disciple without first talking about Jesus. Evangelism is the beginning of disciple making. It's so important that we, that we are able to do that. Evangelism is simply what reconciled people do. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So every Christian is supposed to be an ambassador. Let me ask you a hard question. Are you a good ambassador? You know, how are you doing with that? I got to admit, I'm not always a good ambassador. But I know with God's help, I'm a better one today than I was 10 years ago. As we continue to trust in God, he sanctifies us and he gives us everything we need to be an ambassador for him. You know, have have you kind of lost sight of that? Have you kind of not thought about that a whole whole bunch? Because you've been so caught up in, 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 in your life. So important to remember that. Have you been so focused on you and even your family that you don't see them, the lost around you? It's so, it's so easy for us to get into this mentality of, well, my family first and everything else second. And, and that's good. You, we got to take care of our families. But at the same time, you can include your family in everything you do. I know for me, one of the reasons I got involved in evangelism, because looking back on my life, after I became a Christian, I didn't have any examples. I didn't have anyone I could look at and go, oh, that's how you talk to an unbeliever about Christ. I didn't have anyone like that. And in the churches I went to, it just wasn't something people did. And I wanted my kids to grow up seeing their dad get into these awkward conversations and seeing their dad deal with rejection and seeing their dad lead people to Christ. You know, And, 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 and it's not either your family or the lost, we can, we can reach the lost and include our families in it. You know, it's, it's, it's not one or the other. It should be both and. We're so afraid of, of what other people are going to think, what society is going to think, and yet we need to be concerned with what God thinks. Okay? Again, this is just a... a, a, a little application in the fact that time goes by so quick. And whatever 
Whatever things are holding you back from reaching the loss, you know, God can help you deal with those. I, I, I guarantee he can. Absolutely. He can do all things. Seeing things in light of eternity encourages us to use our time in the best way possible. Now we're going to look at point number three, the value of time. In Psalm 90, verse 12, Moses crying out to God, he says, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Do you realize that your days are numbered? I don't know the number. You know, most people don't know the number. Some people have the luxury of knowing when they're going to die because then they can get their affairs in order and they could kind of figure out what's really important to them. But let me ask you this. Let's say you had three days to live, three days left to live. Now, men, I know some of you still play video games. All right? That's okay. You know, nothing wrong with, with, with fun. But let me ask you this. If you had three days left to live, would you be going for that high score on Fortnite or whatever game you play, you know, and your kid comes to you and says, Daddy, I got to talk. Not now. I'm trying to get the high score. You know, if you had three days left to live, would that be a priority? Ladies, would you be binge watching all those shows on Netflix if you only had three days left to live? Right? I mean, when you, when you think of it that way, it really helps you to just, just clarify your priorities. Parents, if you had three days left to live, this is going to hurt a little bit, parents, but if you knew, knew your son or yourself only had three days left to live, would you finally give them the attention they're longing for? Would you finally disciple them, or at least to try to leave them with something? You know, What would you do if you had three days to live? What if you knew that all the unbelievers around you were going to die someday? Would you preach the gospel to them? It's so important that we, we look at our life and realize our days are numbered so we have a heart of wisdom. We need to realize our life is transitory. It's a stewardship issue. It's a gratitude issue. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says, Therefore, be careful about how you walk. Don't walk as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Oskar Schindler, he was a German hero of the Holocaust. And so this is a movie that Steven Spielberg made long ago. And, And Schindler was a wealthy man. He was an entrepreneur. And basically what he did is he used his money, used his businesses to hire Jewish people and to bribe and schmooze the Nazis in an attempt to save Jewish people. So he would hire them, they would be working for him, the Jewish people would, and so the Nazis would leave him alone. And, and through this, he saved over 1,000 people. I think it was around 1,200 people that he hired, and they were spared, they were saved. And there's a very powerful scene at the end of Schindler's List where the Jewish people, when everything's over, out of gratitude, they present him with a ring, and they're given him this ring. And he looks at the ring, and he realizes, this ring could have been sold, and I could have bought another person's life. And then he looks over at his car, and he touches his car, and he says, I could have bought 10 people 
with this, but I wasted my money on this car. He touches his pendant. I could have saved two people. And in the moment when he should have been most joyful about all he had accomplished with his life, instead, it's his biggest moment of regret. And he drops to his knees in disgust at himself and in shame, realizing all the money that he wasted and all the lives that had been lost. Now, we don't have the wealth of an Oscar Schindler, but we have something more valuable than he, he had. We have time. We have minutes. We have hours. We have days, okay? And we don't want to waste it. We don't need to come to the end of our, of our life in regret. We can use our time wisely, and this is so important. Psalm 90, of course, is a very serious psalm, um, and up to this point, it's showing us basically how messed up we are in, in one way or another and helping us to see that. But at the same time, verse 13, things turn and we have hope. Let's look at point number four, the source of satisfaction. Psalm 90, verse 13. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to your children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Regardless of what we've done in life, the beauty of this verse is God is the one who can give us satisfaction. He can give us joy. He gives us gladness. And he's the one who can give us contentment. All of us have failed in a million different ways. And yet, looking to the Lord, that's what's going to give us our, our, our hope, our restoration. He gives us purpose. He is our purpose. So the question is, okay, what do I do? What do we do? And I mean, there's a million different things that we can look at and, and think we need to fix this about our life. And, and yet, you know, um, I think, in the, in, again, in this setting, there's, there's, there's three things that I'd like to leave you with, okay? Three things. First of all, one way you can redeem your time is simply to think in light of eternity, Think in light of eternity as we, as we just realize that our life is going to go by so quick and just realize that eternity awaits. This is going to help us to have a, a more you know, God-fearing mindset and a mindset that's going to give us joy in, in serving him, just knowing that that's what really matters. Okay? Think in light of eternity. Don't ever say, man, this is taking forever because that's just bad theology, all right? Think in light of, of eternity. If you're a Christian, I would say uh, preach to the people around you. And when I say preach, I don't mean like from a pulpit, just you know, talk about the gospel to people around you. And, and if that's not something you're used to, I mean, you guys go to a great church, okay? You know the gospel. You would even know how to explain the gospel, but in the practical sense, it's hard to do sometimes, you know? Um, in your bulletin, you got a, you got a little uh, bookmark and a, a little card, 
And these are just resources. You can go online and, you know, the, the, the card there, it's a website. There's videos where you can watch other people witnessing and just kind of just get some practical ideas. But the main thing I would say is just step out in faith. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your own wisdom or whatever. But just step out in faith as an act of faith to God and, and just try to reach someone, you know? All kinds of resources out there that can help you with that. But the main thing is just determine in your mind, I, wanna, I want to talk to people about Christ. And then point number three, in closing, I would just say, if you're not a Christian, maybe you're here because you just come, it's just what you do. Um, if you're not a Christian, just, just get right with God. Do whatever you can to get right with God. And you ask, well, how do I do that? How do I get right with God? And, you know, just in a couple minutes here as I close, the easiest way for me to explain that to you is just to ask you some questions. And through the answers, you know, it's going to kind of clarify it. So the questions I would ask you is this. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? And if you think so, I'm going to ask you some more questions so you can find out if that's really true. Okay, I'm not going to judge you, but you're going to judge yourself, okay? Question number one, have you ever told a lie in your whole life? Have you ever told a lie? And if so, what does that make you? Well, that makes you a liar. Have you ever stolen anything, even something small, something tiny like a diamond ring? Have you stolen anything, (laughs) all right? Well, if you've stolen anything... You're a thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Whether you believe in him or not, whether you care about him or not, have you ever used the name of your creator in vain? That's called blasphemy, and, you know, that's, that's wrong. Have you ever hated someone or been angry at someone? Jesus actually said, you know, you're not supposed to murder, but I say to you, if you've hated someone, you've, been, you've murdered them in your heart. Right? This is how high God's standard is. So if you're guilty of all these things, any of these things, you've broken God's law. And because you've broken God's law, you deserve to be punished. Not because God is bad, not because his Bible is too strict. It's because you are a sinner against a holy God. And that's a problem. Because on the day you are judged, and God is either going to let you into heaven or not, without righteousness, you won't get in. That's a problem. Now, the good news is this. That's all the bad news. And it's important to know the bad news before you understand why the good news is good. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, it's like as if a legal transaction was made. You broke God's law. Jesus paid the fine. You need righteousness to enter into heaven. You don't have any. Jesus Christ offers his righteousness to you. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that means you're, you're trusting in the fact that his sacrifice and his perfect life is paying the price for your sin and your imperfect life. And based on that, Jesus Christ's goodness, not your own, you'll be granted eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, if you're visiting here today, or if you're not familiar with this, I would say, Talk to one of the pastors here. Talk to one of the people who have been here for a long time. They would love to talk to you about getting right with God. It's so important that we make sure we're right with God because our life is going to go by so quick. So quick. In closing, I would just like to say, 
Live each day as if it's your last, because one day you're going to be right. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for another day and just for allowing us to live before you, to live in your presence. And God, for all the things that we've done wrong in our life, we don't, we don't even know them all. And yet you do. And yet out of your great love for us, you give us mercy and you offer us salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you so much. Amen. Thanks for listening to Romans Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com. On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddyroman.com. See you next time.